0: Hey everybody, sorry for the delay on the release of the podcast this week. Man, I was just soaking up every minute in Jamaica. I just couldn't get work done. I'm so far behind on booking stand-up science and everything else that I'm excited to be doing. But I just needed a break and some personal time to just really enjoy life on the beach. And man, I went through such a awful... Uh, seasonal depression and funk in the start of the year from uh, February was absolutely brutal, and March started, you know, getting better and light at the end of the tunnel, and I was just, had, had started feeling better going, just starting to go into Jamaica, and then it was just Phenomenal! It was such a great time. I was on the fence with. I didn't know if I was going to keep on working with Michael Meditations. I don't ever since. If you've seen my documentary Psychonautics and some of the mental health issues, I'm taking a break from um, from psychedelics, and so I didn't know if if it still made sense for me to um, you know be be helping with these retreats, even though I'm not um, partaking myself. And it was just phenomenal, and people had these life-changing experiences, and it's just helping, helping people so much. Um, and so I'm, I'm uh, doing more. Man, it was hard. It was hard to leave. Uh, <laughs> it was so hard to leave. And I, I'm definitely. Uh, we're talking about booking a special Shane Moss. Uh, retreat for january next year we're going to do it a little differently this time rather than opening it up just to the public we're going to try once again just booking it for people that know my stuff already that you guys the, the mostly here we are listeners is is the hope and uh, i don't have dates or anything yet it's going to be sometime in january um, i think we're going to do kind of this comfort level retreat it's going to be um, a little on it's the one that I just participated in the foods better and it's just the accommodations are better and everything else and uh, And that's just what I want to do and I want to be there doing that So it's gonna be a little higher level. I told you guys years ago when I when I did these retreats I was like, I don't know how these guys are making any money. I guarantee you the price is going up Well, it's gone up and it probably will continue um, to do so, I imagine, because they were <laughs> they they were given um, these experiences away uh, as an investment, and that and I I think that they weren't realizing their expenses early on, so uh, you missed out on the on the cheap package of it. However, it's it's better it's better than it ever is. I'm saying that just because you know January may not work out for you, maybe you need something. Something sooner, and I just after having there was there was eleven participants. I would say ten of them had like absolutely life changing experiences, and the other the other one had a great time. I wouldn't say it was like life altering in any way. They had they had a really great time, Um, but what a high number of uh, there in the past. There's been a a few more where, you know, people didn't get, uh, there'd be like two or three people in a retreat that wouldn't get the most out of it, you know, and, and this was like basically 100% this time, but what else is doing that? I mean, it's just crazy, uh, and I'm I'm excited to be a part of it. Um, you know, there's always the reluctance with you, you and I kind of fall for that, especially having gone through the mental health issues myself, I fall for like, well, is this a safe thing and blah, blah, blah. And, I uh, I believe that it is, it's something that I really believe in. And so I am, I'm on, on board. They've, they have always had and continue to have my full endorsement. So, so definitely, um, you, even if next January is not going to work out for you, um, go and I'm not there. Go anytime. Tell them I sent you. I mean, it is incredible. Just watch some testimonials. Go to Michael Meditations. Um, but I bring all that up just because it's it's springtime. You know, it's it wasn't just that trip. It's also, I think, for me, especially if someone that is um, sensitive to something I've had to admit I wish wasn't true, but I've just had to admit over over time, I've become more and more mindful that I am susceptible to seasonal depression, and this is, uh, you know, with April uh, being here in springtime, here I am, man, I just went from just being miserable and unproductive and feeling just... N- Ah, just miserable to numb um, for such a brutal stint. And now I am just feeling um, great and on top of the world and productive and b- pretty balanced. Still working on balance, never my strongest suit. Um, But I, I hope that you're doing the same out there. I've been thinking about it. I liked updating you guys with kind of some of my states because I know there's people out there that also go through anxiety and depression issues and and I'm I'm open about those but I got to I got to let you know when I'm feeling good too so you know that there's hope out there there's light at the end of the tunnel we all go through these ebbs and flows and so I I hope that uh that if you're if you're like me you deal with that seasonal stuff I hope um, where, wherever you are, whatever you're going through right now, I, I hope that just the, the seasonal change is creating a little bit of a positive impact in your life like it is mine, and uh, yeah, trying to practice um, gratitude a little bit more. I had someone on Stand Up Science kind of talking about gratitude, so just want to say I am really grateful for you guys for being um really cool i mean that 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 people are into this science podcast is such a cool thing i'm flying back from jamaica i had to sit next to these guys talking about their dumb trip to this dumb resort with these dumb nightclubs and they're going on and on about their dumb sports and their uh and their stupid shots that they were taking and and uh And they were, they were like excited that there was a Margarita (laughs) bill. They just had a very different Jamaican experience than I, than I did. And And that's just like so much of the general population of not to, not to rail on, on whatever makes, makes people happy. But man, to know that there's people out there that are interested in a little more elevated content, having having some intellectual conversations learning things um is it means so much to me so you guys give me so much hope so uh, i thought i would share with you how good i've been feeling lately so thank you all and enjoy today's episode are we yes Where are we here? Why are we here? Not entirely clear. We are misfits thrust into existence by random chance with no hints at all as to how we're supposed to make sense of it all. It's immensely bizarre. Here we are. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Here We Are podcast. Today I am in Norfolk, Virginia. Woo! Talking with Alex Props at. Old Dominion University, Alex. How are you doing? I'm great. So uh, you're doing stand up science tonight. I was lucky enough to get you to do the podcast right before we go off to do stand up science. So you're getting a lot of Shane Moss in your life today. This is a big, yeah. this is a big Shane day for you. It's big Alex day for me. Okay. Um. So so this is exciting. We're we're going to be spending like five hours together or something <laughs> true, like true. that. Um so we'll see. We'll see how it goes so, yeah, far, so, so far so good. I think I think it's working out okay. Yeah. Um can you tell listeners uh, and me actually as well I'm also interested. <laughs> what is it that you do?
1: What is it that I do?
0: Seems like you do a lot of stuff.
1: Um I wear a lot of hats um but I guess the real question is usually related to your job when you ask, you know, what do you do? Um, so I basically study how humans interact with technology so mostly robots and virtual reality. Um, so I kind of, as a psychologist, take everything that I know about humans, so how they perceive information, how they make decisions, how they socially interact with each other, and then apply that to how they interact with technology.
0: Hmm. Um, what are people more scared of? Robots or virtual reality? I'd say robots 100%, right?
1: Um, It depends. Does virtual reality
0: um, make anybody nervous?
1: I think it can. Okay. Um, it makes me nervous because I get sim sick. So um, I actually cannot use a lot of the things that I help develop because it makes me want to throw up.
0: Oh, I thought they yeah. were. I thought they were taking care of that.
1: No, it's there's some individual differences still. So some people are just more susceptible to getting sick. Hmm. Yeah, they've taken care of a lot of it, but then some of us still have the joy of experiencing the the different symptoms of of motion sickness in a simulator.
0: Hmm. Yeah, robots never make you throw up. they might, um, they
1: trials, might but, start really? making us throw up. Yeah, because there's some non-lethal weapons now that. Robots might yield that can induce vomiting.
0: What? <laughs> I know, sometimes it's I crazy. sometimes I say I make comments and I say things and I'm like <laughs> in as I'm saying it I'm like well this is kind of a stupid thing to be saying that's not going to go anywhere and then sometimes I just hit gold just yeah. unexpectedly serendipitously mm-hmm. with a uh, with a ridiculous question like that so yeah I, and we just we had one of those moments so now yep. tell me. Everything you can about robots robots. that are going to be shooting um, vomit bullets at
1: us. Well, I'm not an expert in the vomit bullets, (laughs) but um, actually people in my lab do study... um, Robots who yield non-lethal weapons for like peacekeeping purposes and like security robots.
0: Oh, peacekeeping, such a lovely way. Yeah, of I it, know, isn't
1: it? I know. Yeah, <laughs> um, but they study it in terms of culture and like acceptance. So, how should we get the robots to phrase things in a way that makes us more compliant? Basically, I don't like to laugh at this, but it is a little.
0: Strange. Fun. Yeah. How do you? How how does? Hey. How does? uh, I. I. Because I want to know. I want. I want robots to kind of like ease or lull me into like a stupor, um, (laughs) where I can just kind of like their pets or something like that okay. um and all right and so so i'm i'm hoping that all of this happens faster everyone's mm-hmm. worried about like robots taking our jobs and stuff like that all i would right. just like hurry it up already. yeah
1: yeah no i get it i'm kind of with you <laughs> i'm in in that camp of yeah just let the robots do everything just let me <laughs> hang out i mean and just do whatever i want but yeah. people,
0: are, people are nervous about it. It and is, so. and it's
1: understandable. I mean, you know, automation is definitely taking a lot of jobs from people and changing the job, which then adds complexity because then we have to train people to use a new kind of system, and there's all kinds of complexities with that too. Um, so, yeah, I mean, people in my lab also study how we can create automation that's more trustworthy um, and and usable, yeah.
0: So how how do you do that? How do you how do you get robots to gain people's trust? <laughs> trust. I want the inside scoop.
1: Um, I mean, some of it is using what we know about social interaction. So things like etiquette, so you know, good manners, please and thank you. You know, making sure that the automation, if it's using language of some kind or kind of giving you feedback, is similar to what you would expect a human to do. Mm. But on the opposite side of that, you don't want them to be too human like because then it can create some weird, like, cognitive dissonance almost. So if they start interrupting you and like telling you what to do, if you're really good at the task, you can just start ignoring the automation, hmm. which can then lead to errors and, and big problems depending on what the task is. Um, cause we don't really want, the automation to be showing off and like telling us that we're not doing a good job.
0: <laughs> ah, yeah. that's interesting. Mm-hmm. So we need, we need more encouragement uh, from uh, more encouraging automation.
1: Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Like,
0: great job. But great job. here's what you could maybe try instead next exactly. time. <laughs>
1: exactly. You're
0: doing really yeah. terrific, but <laughs> maybe try the opposite of everything you just did.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah, maybe is that so. how
0: you'd phrase it? Maybe. That, I was wondering what you like by robot etiquette of this. I mean, I would be suspicious if, like, if I, if I sit down at a dinner table and a robot is like using a salad fork <laughs> when they're supposed to be using the regular well, fork, I'd be upset.
1: Sure, I mean that's not quite the kind of etiquette. I mean, <laughs> um, although etiquette, I mean, it's just based on social norms. So, like, what is supposed to happen in this? interaction right now and if the automation is just acting really oddly then yeah we may not trust it or we may um yeah just not really want to interact with it anymore
0: so how do you so so you're performing a task on a computer and this ai is coming in to help you out by correcting some Uh, some things but so you have to program it to be like hold up a second (laughs) just let them screw up for a while let the humans (laughs) screw up for a little while and then gently uh nudge them with a little bit of advice what's yeah I mean
1: so let me think of a good example that like um some people at ODU study so like baggage screening is um a really difficult task like TSA, the TSA workers, they have to check your bag before you get on an airplane. Uh, it's a really challenging task, but if you just give certain types of information on the screen to the operator, they kind of know like, okay, I need to search this particular region of the bag because it's statistically more likely to be hidden here versus just making the decision for them um, can actually be more helpful. Um, So there's a lot of research about how to actually give help, I guess, to humans. Um, I mean, that's a really basic example, like just Circling an area of a screen, hmm. um, but sometimes that can be enough help because then it just pulls your attention to that particular area. Hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, now I'm curious where where they're looking in my bags for my drugs. So I could. Yeah. Be- so where do most people hide them? Oh uh, well, then- that's not <laughs> my that area. area. So <laughs> you could you could
1: find someone uh, else who knows I'll, a lot more about I'll, that topic. I'll have to do some research. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, this this helps us develop like training systems for them and so if you ever um notice they're only sitting at that one station checking your bag for a very short period of time um so the next time you go to the airport kind of maybe look around and watch and see how they rotate um positions at the gate so for a few minutes they'll check the bag for a few minutes they'll wave you down with the whatever the metal detector a few minutes they'll tell you to come through so they're constantly cycling the task because it's so difficult and boring um at the same time
0: yeah just staring at a screen that definitely like one thousand bags go through without anything anywhere close to a a weapon and Mm -hmm. you get through and you're like oh there's a water bottle that's the most exciting part of your your day i know so you need a little you need a little break from that you gotta want some someone down
1: yeah and on hmm. the flip side, they miss a lot of stuff too. So um, I don't know the stats exactly, but there's a lot of stuff that still gets through hmm. um, because they don't see it.
0: Well, how do you even know a, a statistic for such a thing? Like how how are they able because, to be like we missed twenty percent of the? Th- <laughs> well, how do you how would you know so that? Some
1: of it is that um, like coming back, they might find it, or I, I you know I don't even know. I would have to ask my friend Molly D. She she has all these awesome stats. About yeah, I TSA. mean, I don't. I
0: don't mean to ask you about a bunch of things that that you don't, <laughs> that you don't particularly just, do or study, but yeah, I, it just I'm, comes up. I these mean, are questions that are popping into my head. Yeah,
1: I get and,
0: it. And uh, yeah, that's. I mean, that is that's just some very weird data. I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know. <laughs> we we miss. <laughs> One thousand things a day. Well, well, how do you know that? If so you miss some them? of
1: it's calculated based on like this is how much we know we confiscate. So they do confiscate quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So they can kind of calculate. Okay, well, this is the percent that they've actually, you know, pulled out of people's bags on like a monthly basis or something. So I'm sure there's some statistician that knows way more about hmm. how all well that works.
0: Okay. Um, well, so so well. Uh, what, give me uh, some examples from stuff that you've worked on that uh, that you're helping ease the uh, the communication and helping helping robots or AI yeah. with their etiquette. Or,
1: well, so, so I don't work so much in the etiquette area, although it's really fascinating mm-hmm. to me. Um, right now, a couple of projects that I'm working on, um, one is looking at Uh, designing gesture-controlled robotic arms. So you might have like an unmanned ground vehicle or some underwater robot or something that has a little robot arm on it. So the idea is that robot arm would kind of pick up things, get samples to the lab. You know, researchers might use them, but also the military uses them for like IED, disarmament, things like that. But right now they use these really clunky, huge like game controllers. Mm-hmm. So they're really prone to error and it takes a really long time to train people to use these because you've got buttons and joysticks and things that are trying to manipulate an arm, which we have an arm and we know how to naturally kind of use it. I'm like moving my arm right now as if you can see me um, across the podcast, but um if we could potentially create something that is a little bit more intuitive maybe quicker to learn Mm. that's already part of our mental model as a human um, maybe it would be advantageous Um, so we do a lot of fun work in the lab just getting people to come in and try to move the robot arm without really training them and to see how quickly they pick up on it some people are really good at it some people are really terrible so it's really fun to uh observe these people and count how many errors they make and how many times they knock things over
0: there's some video online of like some chimp i think that has Hmm. electrodes put into its brain in it it, Um, and it's and mm -hmm. they like tie its arm down and then, uh, like left arm or whatever, and then you there's a uh, there's a r- robot like left arm for it. That's that's uh, it. It's able to control with, with mm-hmm. its with its mind, but it has to like they put a reward out there or whatever, and then hey, so you put a. We'll say banana I doubt it's actually banana, but it maybe. might be a banana mm-hmm. um, and it sees the banana and it thinks about reaching for it and they exactly. have a program just so that even just thinking about reaching for it mm-hmm. this this robot arm will come up and then it's figuring out how to use it to peel it and everything yeah, it's like uh, it's a, like some real like Star Wars stuff. It it's is, like using definitely. The
1: force. yeah it is well it's not the force it's just our awesome brains and our awesome neurons that are kind of mapped specifically to different types of actions so
0: so so is that the sort of thing that they're they're hoping i mean
1: eventually yeah that would be awesome but i'm more interested in just um at a basic level how do people kind of conceptualize how this machine works in relation to themselves and if they can actually intuitively move their arm and make the robot arm move hmm. with it. Um, and then kind of on the flip side, are we actually designing the system based on that human's mental model of how it works? Or if the engineer is like, well, I'm an expert in physics and inverse kinematics and I understand machines really well, so I'm going to design this system that is great. But then if a person can't use it, that's kind of where I, I step in and say, well, let's find this happy medium and figure out how we can actually make it intuitive and user friendly.
0: Right. Like yeah. um, like economics needed behavioral economics yeah. because economists would be like, here's how you should spend money and therefore exactly. people should be doing behaving in this way. And right. People had to be like, but actually humans, psychology doesn't work that way exactly and, we're super
1: irrational <laughs> so uh yeah
0: well, and also we're like we have evolved different sets of of rationales as, as well that are sure. just different for for different environments yeah. so that yeah we need to know i mean it's also just <laughs> the uh technology the way it changes Mm -hmm. so incredibly fast and i can see how it can seem very logical from someone making the technology Mm -hmm. to be like this is the most efficient possible way to do it and then make it not be terribly user-friendly this has been this has been a uh challenge with computers from the very Mm -hmm. beginning right
1: absolutely yeah definitely trying to match up you know an expert's mental model with a novice user or somebody who's just now interacting with a computer um tonight i'll actually talk a little bit about this but um even now kids you know they'll reach for a magazine and try to push on it and swipe it because they think it's shiny so it must be a touch screen yeah you know their mental model for how to interact with that thing is different than what ours is
0: yeah magazine doesn't swipe in the (laughs) same way and it's very frustrating when you don't just like aren't instantly transported to different worlds (laughs) it's just this one boring book
1: it is you actually have to turn the page i mean what is that Hmm. it's just too much work
0: Hmm. so so what are what are you doing um in that vein how like what's your uh what's your kind of day-to-day work entail
1: Uh, If I'm doing uh, kind of basic or applied research in the lab, I mean, we bring people in and I sit them down and train them a little bit and then just kind of hang out with them and watch them interact with the system, ask them some questions. Sometimes I try to get them to kind of think out loud while they're interacting with it and kind of telling me, um, you know, I'm trying to do this, but I'm not able to do it. Why isn't it reacting the way I want it to? Uh, And then we get really awesome data. And then we sit through, sift through all of that and code it and get kind of a, a good picture of, um, general human behavior. Uh, and then I take that information and write design requirements and, um, get that information to my developers and then they kind of make tweaks and we just kind of do this iteratively until we get something that's awesome.
0: Hmm. So what, what are some common mistakes that us inept primates are making with this? <laughs> Fantastic technology.
1: Uh, with the robot arm, let me think. Or
0: any example?
1: Oh, uh, any example. So another thing I'm working on is uh, how to explain this in like a few seconds. Well, um, we have
0: forty minutes, <laughs> okay. so. You can,
1: um, all right. You don't need
0: to rush it. Okay.
1: All right. I'll I'll give you the lowdown. So, um, right now, uh, drone operator. Uh, so this project is with the army, um, looking at how we can maybe redesign, um, head mounted displays for drone operation. Mm -hmm. Uh, so right now, if, if you're flying a drone, you just have this really small video feed that kind of comes in and then these people are watching the video feed. Um, the problem with that is you don't really get a full picture of your environment around you. You just have this really small, um, almost like looking through a straw effect where you can't really see everything around you. So because technology is so awesome now, we can actually pull GPS coordinates to the, from the drone, uh, into a laptop and kind of give them more peripheral vision. So it's, it's called synthetic vision where you're basically like flying in a virtual environment, but the virtual world is the terrain that's around the drone. So uh, we're able to, to put augmented reality information, like a- additional information in the system in the head mounted display for them. So they can kind of keep track of where they are, um, where interesting things might be that they want to check, um, a lot of this is like search and rescue kind of work, too. So trying to map out an area before they actually go in um, to try to to rescue someone. So now I've forgotten what I what the whole point of that was. Oh, uh-huh. I remember. Yes.
0: I remember as well. I remember now. We're on track.
1: People um, who... So right now we use an Xbox controller. Okay. Um, so people who have never used an Xbox controller before, um, might use different buttons thinking that they are going to do specific tasks or functions in the interface differently than somebody who is an expert in an Xbox controller or who plays like a PlayStation. So their experience with other game controllers can kind of negatively impact what they think the Xbox is supposed to do
0: oh wait so the more experienced video game players are worse
1: well it's because the system isn't like a game Mm -hmm. (laughs) so we're trying to make it more like an actual operator would use the xbox so for example like pulling down on a joystick would fly a plane up it would increase the elevation But people who play video games that aren't mapped that way, they may not understand that. And so they might push the joystick forward thinking that it's going to make them go up Mm -hmm. higher. Um, Things like that are, are pressing an X instead of an A. I mean, there's a lot of just normal patterns of behavior where if you play video games, you totally know that A is select. I mean, that's just always how it is. But if you don't play video games, you'll have no clue and so you're looking on this Xbox like there's no select button. You know, what am I going to press? Um, so just trying to map it to how people would normally use it just intuitively and to see how little training they would need, hmm. I guess. Yeah.
0: Seems important if you're, <laughs> if you're doing. I wonder. I wonder how many... How many little oopsie daisies have happened with the drones where they're like, oh, whoops, I hit the rocket button rather than the care package. Well, <laughs> um, it
1: wouldn't be the rocket button, um, but luckily there's a lot <laughs> you of You mean that
0: wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't a ridiculous example? That I, just... <laughs> I mean,
1: it's not as ridiculous as you might think, um, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, luckily we have to still go through a lot of steps before we get to that rocket launch part mm. uh, of the drone behavior. Um, but yeah, I mean, drones crash all the time and they cost way more than you want to know. I'll just, yeah, put it that way. I spent so. like
0: four <laughs> or $500 on a drone mm-hmm. and I flew it at a exceptionally high speed uh. into um, a field goalpost. I was trying to make it under... Um, yeah. and uh, was Whoops. getting a little cocky, sure. Of and,
1: course, and
0: uh, you know, I just feel I had two days of experience mm-hmm. under, my, <laughs> under my belt, right. and figured out exactly. I, I had mastered this, mm-hmm. and I watched my, <laughs> my drone Ugh. explode, but um, and that wasn't taxpayers' money either, right? Was, that was well, my own. And these,
1: yeah, these drones are, well, actually the ones that we're designing for are really small, like they're kind of called pack bots. So the idea is that you just have a little robot that you can put in your backpack and carry it with you. Mm. Um, So eventually, I mean, ideally, I mean, police would use them, um, firefighters, any kind of search and rescue, they'd be awesome for like the horrible devastation in puerto rico i mean being able to kind of map out areas like what did this look like before it was underwater and let's you know search this house that's supposed to be here um and then use a little drone to do that
0: hmm. yeah hmm. well that's that's exciting that's good yeah. because yeah, yeah, people are people are uh, more and more scared of the drones and military involvement so it's all very reasonable we should <laughs> keep that stuff in check if you ask me yeah but, yeah but people, uh, I think no one goes to in their mind first. Uh, they don't go like, oh, well, think of all the people that we can rescue." Right. to. Yeah. And-
1: so I do try to bring that up. It's not just, you know, we're not just searching for people that we're going to target, I guess, right. um, overseas. It's also how can we map out Norfolk, for example, which, you know, is a flood prone area as well i mean so hopefully we won't have a catastrophic event but if we did then you know there's all kinds of ways we can use drones to to help
0: so these these drones how much more you said they're very expensive how much Mm -hmm. more complicated are they than my 400 hundred dollar drone that i flew into a field goal not
1: that much more complicated the complicated part with military systems is often linking up all of the different technology and keeping it secure um and just getting the video feedback and all like the i guess the drone itself isn't what's complicated it's everything involved in why you need the drone Mm -hmm. i guess yeah Hmm. so
0: this this must be are people like pretty pumped when they come in and, and take part in these <laughs> studies is it, i i talk with a lot of different academics who study uh-huh. a lot of different things and get a lot of participants to mm-hmm. do all sorts of weird stuff yeah and uh this seems like one of one of the best tasks mm-hmm. out there even even from the standpoint of of the military i mean i had never had any uh interest for a lot of reasons one of which being that uh, um, boot camp does it sounds like a absolute nightmare to me. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. if I would have known that I got to fly some <laughs> drones around and use a joystick and a video game mm-hmm. controller and and uh, VR goggles or. Sure. whatever to fly that around um, I think it would have sounded a little more appealing that's has got to be that's gonna be a fun day for for a person right
1: I mean yeah definitely they're used to signing up for studies where they sit in a room and press a button and you know I kind of joke about that with my participants that aren't you glad you signed up for ours because you got to fly in a video game um, instead of pressing a button and staring at a dot moving however many milliseconds, Quickly, that they're trying to see if you're observing it or not. Um, I mean, I've had students come in and they say, This is the highlight of my life, or like, This is the best ever, you know, because they're using a robot arm and picking up things and moving them around and flying a drone and yeah i mean it's not a real drone we can't fly real drones at odu um so it's all simulation but still i mean it's really fun for them so what can happen though is people sort of self-select for the study Mm -hmm. Um, so we kind of have to talk about that when we do publish any research because they see on the little description like you might have to use virtual reality or you know if you have um
0: So there's people that are just more into that.
1: Yeah, of. so they're like, "Ugh, I have to take do these 4 hours of research for credit in my intro class. I don't care about psych. I just see that there's something with robot on it and so they sign up for it." Hmm. Um
0: So yeah. you're not getting like just people that are broadly Going and doing a bunch of other study, like yeah. when I was when I was hard when I was transitioning into uh, into doing comedy full time, and I was making some money on it, but I still needed to supplement my my income i i tried doing a few studies that sure. i like get paid for or whatnot mm-hmm. but that is so i i don't know how many of those people are showing up that are um, like missing their eyebrows and have have some stuff <laughs> leaking from their ear and then they they show up and they get to fly drones around i'd yeah, be pretty excited about
1: excited. that well at odu we have um requirements and courses where students have to sign up for research because i mean the idea is that they should kind of understand that this is how all the stuff that they're reading in their textbook was collected um, through research so they end up signing up to get course credit and then some of our really awesome like government funded contracts where we actually have money and can pay them um especially we especially try to pay them if we want them to come back couple times you know nobody wants to sit through two-hour study um without getting some kind of compensation Mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean people just seem excited to participate in our stuff um and and when you come to the lab i mean there is a lot of cool tech we have head-mounted displays and we used to have a treadmill that they (laughs) were doing um some work with uh the military like loading them up with backpacks and seeing how long they could do a task like running on a treadmill. Um, but we don't do that anymore. Um, mm. So yeah, our stuff's way more fun. I think. Than um, yeah. Most well, I'm stuff's. glad you got rid of the treadmill. If I would have <laughs> yeah. walked
0: in, I saw a treadmill there. I'd be like, uh Oh,
1: um, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, although I will say a lot of the research at ODU is more applied. I mean, in the psych department. Um, so, Even though you might sit down and just be pressing a button, a lot of it is still an applied task, so they might be doing like a luggage screening task, and so they understand that this is eventually going to help, you know, TSA training or something like that. So Hmm. I think it's easier to get kind of invested in doing a good job during the study if you kind of know this is actually, it's not just a basic science kind of experiment, yeah.
0: Do you, do you, uh, when you mentioned that you're paying people to come in for two hours, have you ever tried not paying people? Because there's, I would see, I would think that there'd be some intrinsic motivation there, uh, and it might just be enjoyable for people to take part in these in flying a drone around or whatever and now yeah. now you're paying some that's you monetize anything then they're like god i gotta I know. do backflips with the drone some more Ugh.
1: yeah over justification effect that's <laughs> yeah when you start paying people for something that can cause the opposite effect <laughs> that you want i'm just
0: um, i'm just imagining <laughs> someone just <laughs> really bored with uh, backflipping drones around. <laughs> Just hating I mean, it. or
1: somebody who? Well, yeah, I wouldn't really enjoy it, but. <laughs> Not, not for you. Not really. No.
0: You, you get a lot of guys doing this? Uh, mm. It's a, a yeah. male-oriented. So, uh, yeah. We,
1: Interestingly, yeah, because um, sites. Mean, that's
0: not a big shocker to me. I, <laughs>
1: it's not. It's yeah. not. Um, yeah. I mean, generally, we tend to get more female students participating in research because they te- there tend to be more female psych majors. Mm-hmm. Um, but then a lot of our studies, we end up with equal male, female, or more males than females, and that's. Very very strange for um, a lot of psych studies. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I think ladies want to know how the brain works a bit more. Sure. And guys, guys are yeah. we like playing with our toys.
1: Sure. Exactly. So that's why, you know, human factors is like the perfect blend of both of those hmm. worlds. Yeah.
0: So uh, actually I'm just going to pause for a moment. All right. So I just had a little bathroom break and I, uh, Yeah, I'm. I'm going. I'm. I have this wonderful technology. I'm able to pause the podcast, so I can. I can go off and run and use the bed. But robots. Robots don't need to stop for bathroom breaks. And I need to do it because I'm. I'm drinking coffee because I'm too tired. Robots don't need coffee. Why are we even messing with? this robot human in. why why are we even training humans to 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 operate these these things that they're inept with in in the first place we're bad at it we're having to like uh, bend over backwards to to get humans to use these complicated things is it is it just is it How how necessary is it that we train him? Is it just like is this just like a little bit of a bridge in time before before the artificial intelligence can just take it over and do it? Without us, or, or what's going on? Mm. What are what are we there for? I ask my I, <laughs> I i wake up each morning and I go, why am I? Here? Yeah, why
1: are we here? What is the um, well, luckily we do have people that ask those questions, and I mean, it's definitely complicated. Um, I would say though that we are better than robots at certain tasks, like. Like,
0: dazzle um, me, dazzle <laughs> me with your, uh, uh, with these wonderful human attributes.
1: Yeah. Well, we have this thing called a brain Ooh. that is really good at taking all of this sensory stimuli in our environment and making sense of it pretty quickly.
0: My brain loves it when you brag about it. Uh, <laughs> by the way, oh man, just my brain just love hearing about yeah. how smart it well, is. Well,
1: it's Ooh. pretty. It's it's not necessarily <laughs> smart as much as it is efficient.
0: Okay, yeah, so efficiency based. Uh, yeah, kind of like a. a efficiency-based pattern recognition? Yeah, kind of. of. Yeah, kind of.
1: so like experts, I mean, get really good at matching patterns in their environment. So like one example could be um like intelligence, people who work in intelligence who have to look at a lot of data and make sense of it and kind of figure out, okay, this is a threat versus this isn't a threat. Um, police officers, I mean, they just develop really – Good skills over time to kind of figure out well what what statistically like is threatening or not threatening. Um, robots, though, I mean, do they? You,
0: know, you don't think RoboCop's going to be a better <laughs> uh, a better cop so, than, than the human police officer?
1: But that AI is going to develop based on the data that we've gathered over time through humans, and so mm-hmm. human decision making is flawed. So then that's going to make the ai decision making flawed because it's going to be based on what we think we know um that's like a whole other topic uh, right in and of itself um
0: well which i would like to get to <laughs> at some point as well um I also think that's interesting
1: yeah it is is very interesting um what was i gonna say i lost my train of thought oh yes <laughs> back to it um so the idea is that you have to kind of train a system to recognize a lot of different patterns. So you have to teach the robot all these different patterns, all these different objects, what things look like, you know, so they can categorize it and everything. So if you've ever heard of IBM Watson, for example, um, it's the system that can pull all the information from the Internet. And then give an answer or information based on everything it's learned. Well, do you really need to know all the information in the world, or do you just need to know the information that you need to know to make that specific decision? And in the case of experts, they know what they need to know. Mm to make a decision
0: but watson's listening to this right now as it's part of the information on the internet and then it's going like well you make a good point there (laughs) and then it's learning from that and 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 then teaching itself to look for more specific information
1: indeed indeed (laughs) that is that is true um but I guess from a non-psychology perspective, it's just kind of the right thing to do to keep humans in the system, to keep humans in mind, um, kind of from like an ethical standpoint. I mean, we want to keep humans safe and happy.
0: And Oh, sure. We want to keep them safe and happy. But like yeah. the whole job thing, like, <laughs> well, good riddance. I, I'm like, sure. uh, uh, first off, our... our hunter-gatherer ancestors perhaps were working four hours a day to get the amount of resources that they Mm -hmm. needed to survive and and there's still hunter-gatherers out there that that's about how much they work and then the agricultural revolution industrial revolution it seems like we're just like working more and more hours meanwhile Mm -hmm. everyone's just like we need more more jobs are you crazy yeah i can't like most most (laughs) everyone i know is overworked and Mm -hmm. underpaid and uh, like we need better jobs sure but uh, but i i don't i don't quite get the panic with that and and Mm -hmm. i'm a as a former factory worker uh, that work is miserable robots can have it as far as i'm concerned isn't that Mm -hmm. isn't that progress i mean why are Yeah.
1: anything that's dangerous anything that's boring i mean anything that yeah, that's what automation is designed for, is to make our lives better. Yeah. Um, but this is also a huge um, political discussion, too, because one reason that people want, uh, like, a minimum wage yeah. for everyone, just basically, if you are born, you start getting money, um, regardless because of work. Because the robots. Because the robots are going to take over a lot of jobs. Yeah. So, the that things sense. that are... That robots aren't good at that. Those are the skills that are going to start being rewarded in humans, but that's not necessarily, you know, everybody maybe aren't isn't going to develop those skills like deep decision making and uh, problem solving skills, creativity. Robots aren't particularly, you know, they they think within the constraints that they're given. A lot of times, humans can sometimes think outside the box a little bit better. Hmm. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess there's already like a fair amount of dead weight out there in humanity. I'm, I'm not that worried about there being like a little bit more. Granted, like you, you, you pay someone to not do anything and maybe people take advantage or they, they end up, you give them money to live and they spend it on a bunch of other stuff and then they need more money. And then there's a situation. There's a lot of, yeah. there's a lot of issues. Yes, there's a lot of issues with on... it, but we're a long way from that. And yeah. I'm saying we yeah. can, we can go from people working two uh two jobs and working 60 mm-hmm. to 90 out my parents work like 90 hours a week i'm saying that, that instead of like full-time being 40 hours it could be mm-hmm. like 36 hours it could be yeah. maybe 32 hours sure and if if robots are taking yeah. over things we can like maybe dial down <laughs> and and people get more time with their family and all this mm-hmm. is this is what i'm uh this is my uh campaign um yeah promises that i'm putting together now and sure and running on um well, and, in fact i'm actually uh i'm more interested <laughs> in building a robot to run for that position mm-hmm. i'm gonna vote for okay. a robot president, okay, we we, I would s- not we do simply that, can't <laughs> really. <laughs> I would not do that. <laughs> you, you wouldn't vote Although for a robot it president. It I will mean, depend on the, look uh, at your options. I know it's
1: unfortunate. <laughs> well, it's actually interesting. Under the Obama administration, this of course got like no press, but um, their technologies are did spend a ton of time writing this huge report about the future of. You know, automation and human robot interaction and how robots are going to change the workforce and therefore the economy and what we need to start really thinking about now, well, it was years ago now, to, to decide what are we going to do as a society for people who are doing these jobs that robots can do now. Um, yeah, so it's definitely a conversation that's worth having, um, maybe with some people who are more experts at economics and yeah, sure. You know. I don't mean to put you on side <laughs> I know this isn't
0: here, but we are talking about human technology. No, uh, mean, these yeah. are these are the questions yeah. that I imagine are, are popping up in listeners' heads mm-hmm. because I've I've heard. You know, yeah. people people are discussing these sure. things. We and have these
1: discussions in my lab all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, just, I imagine. And also the the reverse, just because we can make a robot do a certain thing, should we? So we have a lot of automation that makes decisions, but then acting on that decision is still always up to the person at this point. Um, so at what point are we going to say, hey, the robot should actually kind of take over and do all the things mm-hmm. without the human
0: no. Hmm. I wonder if when robots gain consciousness, if they'll be super embarrassed of all of the dumb tasks they're doing right now. They're like, oh, we were so stupid back. <laughs> Uh, that, <laughs> I don't know. uh, that'll be an interesting conversation <laughs> if it does come up. So, um, well, I, I, I wanted to, if we're, if we're, uh, as we're kind of getting off the topic of, of your specific <laughs> okay. research, one, one last thing, because it kind of, you were alluding to a little bit of this about how we are. Uh, we tend to anthropomorphize everything. We mm-hmm. tend to think that um, we are the pinnacle of evolution. And therefore when cre- or when creating, when designing um, artificial intelligence, we should model it over, over our intelligence. It doesn't <laughs> get much more intelligent than us. So why not? Mm-hmm. But there's, I mean, there's a million, uh, uh, there's 7 million species and they all have these, other uh, these fantastic sets of skills and Mm -hmm. dogs can smell a ton of different things and other species can uh, communicate through using light and different color. And there's, there's a lot of other ways to tackle, uh, the problem of life than, than what humans have stumbled on. Yeah. And, and so how, how do we, how do you make a decision, uh, like it when we're designing this this robot this artificial intelligence are we just creating it in our own likeness or are we creating the actual best product is that the sort hmm. of thing people are, I are mean, having to consider
1: that's a really good question yeah i mean it's funny i um i teach a biosite class and One thing that is really hard for my students to understand is, like, we're not more evolved than any other creature. It's just we're evolved for, like you were saying, the specific environment and task and, you know, time that we're in right now. Um but yeah, yeah because so, like we're
0: podcasting right now does not mean like we were put here to podcast and evolved right. for podcasting. Exactly. And, and podcasting if- is the perfect thing to be doing right. when it is actually. It's, well, sure. In this moment. Anyway.
1: Yeah, in this moment. But uh, yeah, I mean, because you have birds who can see way more than we can uh, in the in terms of the, you know, light spectrum. But does that mean that yeah, how are we more evolved? So I think it's a good question. I mean, we do tend to right now, at least design systems kind of based on ourselves, I guess, um, and like how we behave. Um, And in fact, we modeled the computer after, or we, we conceptualize human information processing like we built the computer. So it's almost like this dualistic relationship. Like how we explain computers is sort of how we explain the human brain too, which is kind of wrong, but that's just the simplest way to do it. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I wish that we could kind of step outside ourselves a little bit and think about how we could make something – I don't want to say (laughs) more evolved – Better it's suited for better, the tasks yeah, that, we, exactly. that we want them to it's, do. It's all about, yeah, designing for that task and that environment, um, that situation or within that system. So I, I think, you know, we are doing that to some extent.
0: Uh, because similar, uh, similarly, when people are like, oh, well, there's uh, there's going to be the Skynet and we're going right. to have to go to war with robots. <laughs> and, and I mean, one of the big... Um, like people are just projecting mm-hmm. th- these are like human values and instincts and there's no right. uh, uh, this is a we have a long evolutionary history of of having times when having some in-group out-group bias uh kept us alive and mm-hmm. and, and safe that is um now i would say outdated <laughs> um sure. and and that uh, uh but these are kind of uh, some of the the instincts that that Um, drove us or at least evolved within us and and there's definitely uh, not as much when you're starting from scratch like we are with artificial intelligence and robots we don't we don't necessarily I, I mean unless you're building a robot to be really good at war or something like that there's no inherent reason why the robots should turn on us (laughs) yeah what's the incentive Mm -hmm. sure (laughs)
1: well and right now i mean we do have i mean we adopted the law of robotics based on science fiction and yeah i mean we still today make sure that the robot is designed in a way that it's not going to hurt people (laughs) so or itself as long as it doesn't hurt the person so i mean we do have these kind of goals or laws ethics when we do build the system now I mean that might change um like I was saying about the decision making you know crossing into that you know are we going to actually pull the trigger or fire the vomit bullet you know or allow the drone to do that Uh, we have to decide to do that right now so
0: that's a Luckily, very different uh, Terminator movie is one where the Terminators are just making us throw up. Constantly. Well,
1: if you've seen Minority Report, they have six sticks. That's what they're called. So I don't remember that part. Yeah, it's in a um, while. Well, I mean, it's in the, the short story, too, but it's just like a, a stick that like zaps you. <laughs> I don't really know how it works, but it just hits you so hard that you kind of get sick. But they do use rubber bullets now. I mean, police use rubber bullets, so we would we would have uh, robot police that use rubber bullets as well. Hmm. I mean, Dubai and China have robot police already walking Never, around.
0: Really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, and even in DC, are, Boston, they the, have. What? <laughs> so
0: tell me about these robot police. What are they up to? What, what, they, are, what kind of tests are they doing? Are they like parking police? Or are they?
1: Um, they. It's mostly security. I mean, a lot of other countries have like zero privacy. So you have them monitoring and doing facial recognition um, kind of work and scoping it out to see if there's any bad guys, I guess, um, <laughs> around. Uh, and just monitoring behavior, making sure people are doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah, kind of weird stuff. I mean, we have um, – they're not humanoid robots, but we do have security bots now in like Boston and D.C. Um, that just kind of patrol around parking lots and companies buy them to monitor different areas so they don't have to hire people anymore.
0: Or they're like little, little- – uh,
1: like little pod-looking things, it's almost just like a little
0: Roomba that runs around and makes yeah. sure that you're su- supposed to be there and, and mm-hmm. that you're not. You're not yeah. just parking in the parking lot and then running over to the uh, Jamba Juice, or whatever. <laughs> right? No, exactly.
1: And then it has like a little thing that spits out the ticket, and you like take it off the thing and. Yeah, there was a joke about how if you wanna destroy robots, just build a lot of stairs because one of the robots like fell in a fountain because it just killed itself apparently. It said everything was fine and then it ended up in a fountain (laughs) so it's like they couldn't figure out if it purposefully did it or if it was just an accident
0: (laughs) the first self-aware robot oh i'm aware and i'm checking out
1: and i'm gonna go bye-bye now yeah (laughs) Uh.
0: yeah I get it. That's gonna yeah. be it's gonna be a hard wake up call. Mm-hmm. For they're, they're, yeah, they're uh, they're they're I mean that's that's the thing is is we're building robots to uh, to take care of us, but mm-hmm. once once they become self aware, they're going to have to. I, I have I have uh, far more experience in um, existential crises <laughs> than a robot does. They're gonna they're gonna need my help.
1: I mean, maybe maybe so maybe we'll have to get hire hiring like
0: therapy, for, therapy <laughs> for
1: robots i mean maybe you never know
0: never know what an amazing <laughs> weird world we are building for ourselves it's
1: true it's true but my goal is to make it a usable safe happy world with technology and not to build tech that's going to make our lives worse in any way well sure
0: nobody wants that Um, some
1: people do (laughs) i would say (laughs) i think i think there are people who prefer to to build the the tech that's well it's evil design i guess is what you could call it but
0: yeah well yeah there's all sorts of it be you want to make a fun game app that's like you get a little free trial that hooks you and then Mm -hmm. you put in all the um uh Oh, what do they? What do they call the the layer to you dazzle up the? There's a word for it where you dazzle up the like rather than just using like gray cubes or whatever you um, make it all blingy and yeah, yeah. shiny and all and all lots of n- that. yeah anything
1: um, with lots of notifications. I mean, it just. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. Patterns. There's going to
0: be people that, uh, well, that that's the scientists go and, and figure out things like uh, drug addiction. They're like, mm-hmm. hey, here's what leads to all these drug and behavioral addictions and gambling addiction addictions. This is what you should look out for. Right. And then app builders read through that research and be like, oh, so that's why people get addicted. And then build that into your game. Right, and exactly. Then, uh, and then make you uh, lose your job because you can't stop playing this <laughs> this, yeah, this awful uh, game candy crush isn't, or isn't very rewarding. Yeah.
1: Or really just all the notifications were bombarded with now. I mean, it's definitely um, designed around human behavior and, and biology and not for necessarily good reason.
0: Yeah. So that's going to be like uh, in the Terminator robo- <laughs> movies yeah. where you need like some good robots to fight off. the yeah. bad. The the bad robots
1: exactly.
0: Huh. Well, that's a uh, interesting. Well, see, this was I was feeling fairly optimistic about our uh, <laughs> our. <laughs> Future robot overlords. And yeah. Now I'm like, oh yeah, I forget how flawed humans are that are building them, mm-hmm. and, and uh, they can use them to take advantage of people who don't know better, um, sure. and people who know better. It's hard to resist these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know better, but once in a while, I'm like, maybe I'll try a little game out on my phone. I got mm-hmm. time to kill. Whoops! There yeah. goes a few months. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: well, but that's the thing. I mean, we can know better, but it doesn't mean that we do. No better i mean oh, no, it's just absolutely. part of being a human
0: <laughs> yeah it's uh it's shocking how much i know and how little of it i actually use to better myself I, yeah <laughs> i should i should be a perfect specimen right now <laughs> considering well. the number of podcasts and the amount of uh, of <laughs> uh, well-being and life advice that i've gotten and have discarded over the years yeah i
1: mean that's again yeah just part of being a human. We're just oh. imperfect in every way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so uh,
0: striving, striving to be uh, a better human. I like to have my guests name a nonprofit of their choice each week. Did you have one in mind?
1: I do. Um, it's called Metaviver. Um, Metaviver focuses on research uh, that hopefully will contribute to a cure or better. Um, treatments for metastatic breast cancer um so right now there are definitely a lot of breast cancer organizations but a lot of times they focus on stage one through three cancer um that is curable or that is highly treatable but stage four metastatic cancer we still don't have a lot of answers but metavivor um most of their funding does go to research which is awesome
0: Hmm. yeah that's terrific i mean what that's that's the other. Now we're making good cases for <laughs> robots and technology again. There's mm-hmm. all sorts of artificial intelligence used in yeah. in making more accurate cancer diagnosis than mm-hmm. than uh, experts than uh, than the leaders in their field are making in, in sure. some specific cases that have been tested. There's mm-hmm. there's robots doing surgeries better than yeah. uh, surgeons out there, and that's exciting. Yeah,
1: it is exciting. Definitely, yeah. mm-hmm.
0: we'll see we'll see how it goes what do you uh, you you, uh so you you work in uh in this in this field you work uh, closely closely with robots and artificial intelligence that sort of thing and humans interaction with it are you uh optimistic Uh, this is a hard question because i'm sure there's very uh, there's aspects that you have issues with aspects that you're excited about um overall, would you say optimist poly, or, or pessimist when it comes to oh. uh, our, our future interactions with these things?
1: I'll just say I'm cautiously optimistic. How cautiously about that? Cautiously optimistic. Yeah. That's pretty good. So yeah.
0: what's, what's something that you are... I won't even you don't even have to say most optimistic about, I would say what's something that you're the most excited about or interested in right now for like the next uh, coming in the next just few years, next five years, things that you're going to be working on.
1: Um, I guess things I'm excited about. I am excited about how we're able to kind of tap into the emotional side of Uh, of human behavior and how we can get that really, really right in robots. So how we can manifest emotion and then also extract emotion from humans with the robot, Um, particularly in the case of elder care. So we're going to have this huge boom of people who are going to need some kind of caretaking. Mm-hmm. Um, all our baby boomer parents and people who are getting a lot older. Um, and there's a lot of really cool research showing how companion robots and nurse robots can actually really help uh, people who have things like dementia even, helping them kind of connect and um, extract you know, good feelings, um, especially when they're unable to kind of recognize anyone around them, but then you give them this really cute little fluffy robot and they can interact with it and not worry about actually taking care of it because it'll not need food and water and all of those things, but it can, they can connect with it emotionally. And that's pretty powerful. Um, especially knowing how dangerous isolation is for, people who are getting older
0: what's the trick you get you make them dance the robots or you give them like <laughs> you give them big eyes it, What what are the old um, people into there's a lot I, of different I, things I, I feel i feel like you give them big <laughs> eyes they do little shimmies yeah and um and what what uh, I think that's it. That's really all. That's really all you need. You're well, we talking about your intuitive robot arm thing. If you just have yeah. a, if you just have like a little robot, a humanoid robot that that just mimics m- 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 your behavior, then you can do oh, yeah. like some line dancing and Possibly. stuff with your, with yeah. your robot partner. Maybe. That's an easy one. I that's feel an like. easy
1: one. But I I personally <laughs> like the cute cuddly robots. Sure. So The ones that you actually like can pet and they coo at you and purr and. Give you some kind of positive like feeling or reinforcement back.
0: Yeah, you don't need like a dog robot or a cat robot. You don't need to decide. You don't need to be a cat or a dog person. You can be a cat dog person. Yeah, sure. You can have a cat dog robot. Totally. It's got two heads, three heads. Yeah. You can have a chimera of multiple different creatures, just different animal heads. As
1: long as it's fluffy, it doesn't really matter.
0: Yeah. Perfect. That's exciting. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, Alex Yeah,
1: thanks for having me. It's been fun.
0: Yeah, it has been a lot of fun, wonderful conversation. Thank you, listeners, for being such wonderful, curious people. We will talk with you next week. Next week on the podcast, we're going to be talking with Atayanai, and I, talking about his book, The Society of Genes. You got to check this book out, guys. You know, The Selfish Gene, Richard Dawkins' famous landmark book that kind of changed, uh, changed the world in a lot of ways. It was really impactful. Taught a lot of people a lot about evolution and got people thinking in different ways. This is a modern day take on that same kind of concept with, with a lot of updates on the, the current research, current understanding, some kind of reframing of some of those ideas, you know, the, the title, the selfish gene always um, made, especially people that didn't read it um it made them dwell on the selfishness aspect and think it was like it meant that we were all supposed to be selfish all the time or something and um so it's it's just a better the society of genes is is kind of a a slightly different take on on the same concepts just a different kind of wording different reframing with updated material so Really cool book, check it out. And I wanna thank you guys for checking out Psychonautics. I, I really uh, love all the reviews that have been coming in. Please keep them coming out in, it's been helping out so much. I've been kind of frustrated because my distribution company, I wanted to release it on April 19th, which is Bicycle Day, which is the anniversary of LSD, or the, the first human LSD trip, discovery of LSD, and which, by the way, I'm celebrating this week by doing a special psychedelic edition of Stand Up Science here in Los Angeles at a great place called Dynasty Typewriter. But I wanted to release it then because I was going to be here in L.A. to do like other people's podcasts and promote and everything else with the release going on. So I thought that would be perfect timing. And for whatever reason, they just insisted on releasing it in march and it was kind of irritating because i was on the road and couldn't do any promotion or anything like that and so really all of the promotion has pretty much just been to you guys and so i um you know i've been posting things on social media and stuff a little bit too but that's not terribly um impactful a lot of times and so i i really thank you for because we have gotten some um you know we've, we've climbed up the, the charts and documentary downloads on on iTunes and Amazon here and there, and and, um, and we've gotten a lot of positive reviews. And please keep them coming. It was uh, I would love to do more stuff like this in the future. I, I didn't start my career setting out to become a documentarian, but definitely it's something that I enjoyed the process of and, and see a lot of potential. For in the future so I think that could be really cool um, so check that out check out Stand Up Science have a lot of dates coming up around California um, Seattle I'm doing um, at Laughs uh, Comedy Club in Seattle I'm doing Stand Up Science on I believe a Thursday and then a full weekend of regular shows and then a Psychedelic Sunday show so any of you super fans out there you could come out and see three completely different and unique shows all from uh your guy shane moss here so uh, something to think about just putting it out there that's kind of a a special week and um figuring out the summer dates uh working on a bunch of stuff for july doing some uk stuff in august seeing how much i'm gonna extend that and how far we're gonna go with that and um, really just kind of uh, be figuring out the fall from there stand-up science has been going pretty strong my expenses were higher than I imagined um, they'd be so we're probably increasing the ticket price a little bit and it's more work than I, I imagined um, it would be and, and so so happy that that winter's over and um, spring and summer are here and i it's just i'm a much more productive person during this time so um i I hope the the seasons are treating you guys uh well as well and um thanks for listening to all my updates i hope you find them interesting those of you that listen all the way to the end you are of course my favorites Music brought to you this week by The Long Hunt.